With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, we're going to have a rugby chat now. We're talking to the wonderful man who joins us every Thursday. A few topics to talk about. Tony Johnson, TJ, welcome in. Hey, Sammy. I tell you what, the atmosphere at the final was brilliant. Uh, yeah, and, and, until uh, you know the presentation, it sort of got a bit sour. But uh, look, it was a, it was just such a great occasion. It was you know wonderful, obviously, to see the place full. Uh, yeah, you know, not just at the stadium. I went down to Hamilton earlier to catch up with uh, an old friend for lunch, and uh, you know, just just you know, it just seemed this great deal of excitement around the whole city about it all. And so it was a terrific occasion. It was a, a gripping sort of a final. It, it wasn't a a spectacular final as such, you know, so much on the line, uh, a bit of a knock them down, drag them out affair, but, you know, reminiscent of a, a lot of finals over the history of it, a worthy final all the same, and in the end, a worthy winner. In fact, a remarkable winner, Staffy. I, I think, you know, you think about the number of different ways, the number of different circumstances in which the Crusaders have had to try and win over the years, um, you know, and, and to, to be able to win titles away from home is probably, you know, the, the hallmark of their greatness, and and they just showed it again. It's just something that is so deeply ingrained in them. It doesn't seem to matter who takes the field; they just know how to handle the situation, force the issue, and maybe force the opponent into doing things that they, you know, hadn't been doing all season. Yeah, you raised the point. We had Cody Taylor on a couple of days ago, and I asked them that, you know, there were so many players being pulled in, you know, the likes of John Arfawa, who's 39, and I know they were looking at a reserve prop for Manawatu, of all things, before they uh, linked up with John Arfawa. I said, how how does it happen that you get these guys who've never played for the Crusaders, they take the field in this black and red jersey, and they just fall into line and play that style? And the beautiful thing, beautiful thing was is he can't explain it, and it's... It's the unwritable, almost unmimicable quality of the Crusaders. Yeah, and obviously a guy who gets a lot of the credit for it um, is Scott Robertson, and fair enough too. I mean, this is an incredible era that he's had, but it's as much due to the groundwork that was laid back. And, and you know, we all know the story about the Crusaders. They were woeful in the first year of Super Rugby, and they addressed that. And it was, you know, a dynasty really built on a lot of work done by... Well, in particular, uh, Wayne Smith and Steve Chu, Robbie Deans at the time, but then carried on, you know, the behind-the-scenes guy like Mike Eagle, you know, who was the chairman down there. They create this, they create an environment in which players could come from wherever and excel, and they just, you, you know, they it's not just stuff that they've come up with themselves. I mean, they've made a point over the years of going and visiting successful sports franchises around the world, seeing how they operate and then bringing back and figuring out which parts of that could, could we apply here. So, yeah, as I say, it just doesn't seem to matter who's wearing the jersey. And let's face it, I think they probably had their uh, get tested. If, if you, you know, take out all the shenanigans that went on in 2007 with all the All Blacks being pulled out, but they have had their debt tested like never before. And when you think about the calibre of players that weren't able to play in that, it, it, 
just speaks volumes of it. And yep, very hard to put a finger on it, but you know it's there. Mm. Um, you mentioned it was good until it was a little bit sour at the presentations. I know exactly what you're talking about. We were lucky enough on um, Monday, um, Ben O'Keefe trusted me enough to come on. He stayed up till midnight so he could talk to us because he wasn't aware of the fallout because he was on a plane when it was all happening and then he just saw how it had all blown up and he, he front-footed it and said, this isn't good enough. Um, I can tell you, it's our most downloaded podcast this year, uh, the chat I had with Ben O'Keefe, and I, I applaud him for coming on, but... Um, it shouldn't happen, TJ. No, no. Look, uh, you know, and a line was crossed. And I, I, it was really disappointing because to me, you know, the Hamilton crowd's always, a, I, I always enjoy going there. It's always a good crowd and maybe, you know, disappointed. But look, you know, in New Zealand, you often hear of rugby fans, sports fans in general, but rugby fans in particular, try and explain away their behaviour in situations like this is that we're, we're passionate. Well, to me, passionate fans, yep, they're people who unconditionally support their team, their sport, and yep, some exuberance and expressing their delight or their disappointment. It's natural, it's understandable, but there's a line that's getting crossed too often now where that delight or disappointment becomes abuse, uh, often quite threatening, and to to the the victims or the targets, potentially really damaging. And, and, you know, you've you've got to be made of pretty strong stuff. and in particular, um, you know, I know a lot of people who, you know, common thread that I've heard from people, and I just sort of, I feel this way myself as a father. I can handle it. People want to have a go at me. Well, go ahead. You're gutless because you're hiding behind a fake profile. Uh, you, you'd never say it to my face. But to, to those of us who've got kids, you, you wouldn't want your kids reading that stuff. And, and that's the bit that really, you know, bothers me. Um, you know, look, when stuff like Facebook and Twitter started, we loved it because it was just a great way to, for the fans to connect directly um, with, with, with the players or their favourite artists or, or what have you. Um, and, 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 you know, away from the constraints of the, the team controls, the players like that freedom, the fans loved it too. But for some reason, it, part of it, you know, and a large part of it now, it's just become a sewer. With people seemingly free in, in various states of rage or drunkenness or instability or all of the above, are able to go on a social media forum, make threats, uh, ignorant or false claims, vile abuse, all the while hiding behind that, that fake profile. So they'll never themselves be held accountable or have to deal with the sort of crap they dish out whenever something that doesn't go their way. So look, good on Ben O'Keefe for exposing it for what it was. Uh, it takes a bit of courage to be a ref in the first place, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. You know, it's good that he did that, so that people get an idea. You know, that this is what you do when you get drunk and your team loses, and you go on social media or whatever. Um, and and you know, look, it was good to see. Just sorry, I'm waffling a bit here, but good to see Sam Kane amongst those offering up his support. He himself had been maligned for not showing up at the press match, uh, the post match press conference. Um, when it was Clayton McMillan who made the decision, and, and maybe they could have done a better job of explaining that at the time. Um, but, um, you know, what, what it's worth remembering that, you know, Clayton McMillan decided, I'll front this. And Sam Kane, too, he might be the All Black captain, but he's, one of, he's a co captain of the Chiefs. So why was it all aimed at him? Um, and, and again, it, it just goes back to that question of, of people so often expressing their views. Um, in ignorance, but these views become very public. 
Yeah, I think I think it was because he's also the All Black captain, and they said that's not the behaviour of an All Black captain, even though he's in a Chiefs jersey, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, is it? Yeah, and so in which case, you know, that maybe at the time uh, that that should have been explained away yeah. uh, a, a, a bit a bit better, so that that, that you know Sam Kane um, yeah, and look, mate, when did Sam Kane not front? Yeah. I mean, he, he always front. This was a, a a rare thing, and yeah, as I say, if if they'd sort of said, look, um, you know, Clayton's just going to front up. He he wants to take it, or he'd said that himself. Then then maybe, you know, Sam Kane wouldn't have been, you know, the victim of uh, or the target of, of of a lot of abuse as well. Yeah, and Sam Kane did front on the. Um on the field straight after the game. So I will, I will give him that. Um, Ian Foster fronted up for a press conference uh, yesterday uh, at a training run, and I found it, again, not alarming because I'm used to it. Um, I, I was talking to someone who was actually there. There were 12 or 15 media representatives there, and he was offered up for about eight minutes. And after eight minutes, they said one more question, and I thought, that's not even one each yet. Um, that's the one opportunity to talk to the media, which is the conduit to talking to the public, so that sort of frustrated me. That's point one. Point two, he was asked about Sam Whitelock and is he fit? And no one's really picked up on it, but he said Sam chose to play through his recovery period. We'll have to see how that pans out. That, to yeah. me, was Ian Foster saying he shouldn't have played the final. Uh, you could probably interpret it that way. Um, and it, it very much it was Sam uh, Whitelock's decision to play because, I mean, I, I think I read somewhere that, the, that even the team doctor had said you probably shouldn't um, be doing this. you just got to hope now that he didn't aggravate. I mean, Achilles... That was the one thing we were talking about it before the game, and he ended up with, you know, it was a toss-up I think between him and, and Scott Barrett probably for man of the match because I think those two, um, Barrett to me has just been fantastic this season, but, mm. but Sam Whitelock the way he governed the lineout, uh, he, he he made sure that the Crusaders won that battle. Um, he didn't look like he was moving around the field at a hundred percent. It was very risky what he did. I mean, if he damaged that really severely. Then it could have had, um, you know, horrible consequences. So I, I guess they'll be having a look at it. Um, but the, the notoriously difficult things. I guess in some ways you you say, you know, good on him. Uh, it just shows how much that Crusaders jersey, how much that final meant to him. Um, but we just got to hope that uh, in in doing that and playing, seemingly um, perhaps against. Um, the wishes of, of the All Blacks, or maybe even against some medical advice. I don't, I don't know the full story there, but there aren't going to be ongoing consequences because they can be notoriously difficult to, to fix Achilles injuries. Yeah, and I think the fact that it was his last game for the Crusaders probably added to his decision. You mentioned Scott Barrett. Are you in the camp that says uh, that you think or that he should play six for the All Blacks? Um, to be honest, I, I wish it wasn't the case where it even had to be contemplated. We just don't seem to have, no one seems to have nailed that, that six jersey down. Um, and you know, obviously you want someone in that, that jersey who's probably, a, you know, you, you want a tall loose forward. You, you need another good line out option. So you know, Jerome Kano set the bar so high and, and no one, has been able to quite reach that bar. I think, you know, it's rather, if, if I could use this word in a sporting context, tragic um, 
that Liam Squire, um, for various reasons, um, you know, mainly injuries, uh, just just wasn't able to, um, you know, reach that um, that, that height. Um, I think he was capable of it, but you know, his career had sort of ended. Um, uh, and, and of course, there's other, you know, Shannon Frizzell to me, who is, is capable but hasn't quite produced that sort of play with the consistency that you'd like to see. Uh, they've tried, you know, playing a combination of Papali'i, Kane, Savia, and the loose trail. That just leaves you a bit short. I, I really like uh, Samapeni Finau, what he brings, but he's still very new to the scene. Uh, Ethan Blackadder, to me, is probably the guy who, if he's fit, I'd, I'd, I'd have there. Uh, to me, yeah, Barrett would 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 do a job. I, I just wonder whether uh, whether that just upsets the balance of things. I, I, I don't know, but I, I, it's definitely something that they're considering. I, I know I know that much. I, I would rather them have uh, to be able to call on you know Barrett, White, Lock, um, Rakellet as their locking rotation, and and you know with Barrett say late in the game moving to blindside flanker or something like that rather than starting. What do you feel like? Sure, if he did start, he'd do a good job. Don't get get me wrong. But to me, it's like, and and maybe that's what's going to happen over the next few weeks. We we are going to hope uh, in the rugby championship that maybe there might be some answers to a few questions because obviously that's one of the big, you know, there are several question marks um, over the, the makeup of the All Black team. Are we seeing a change of the guard in our props? Uh, there are a couple of guys who've been around for a while who are now an endangered species because of these young Turks that are, you know, really putting up their hand big time. Uh, who's our, you know, what's our loose forward trio? I think we know who our number ten is now, but where does the other bloke fit in? Mm. Uh, who's going to wear number twelve, and how on earth do you unravel that excess of riches that we have in the back three at the moment? What do you think it'll look like against Argentina? My, my gut feeling is um, quite a few of the Crusaders and Chiefs may not play, <clears throat> but I asked Cody Taylor, are you all going to Argentina? He said, yes, we're all going, unless there's someone who's absolutely no chance to play. It's just a way to, waste of a return airfare and a hotel fee, I would suggest. Do, do you think that inclination, given that they've got South Africa next, another big trip back, a six-day turnaround once they land, et cetera, et cetera, we'll see a few Crusaders and Chiefs rested? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because in the past, you know, and, and this is always what happens at the Rugby Championship in World Cup year, it's a, it's a truncated thing. I'm not sure. I, I always think that the, the overall title should have almost have an asterisk beside it because, you know, every situation, I remember one year, like Jake White, they lost the test in, uh, in South Africa, so he just basically sent a B team on to it. Um, thought, we're not going to win the, the, the championship. I'm going to preserve my players. That, that conundrum that they have, um, how much of it is about keeping the players fit? How much about, is it about actually trying to win the championship? How much of it is really setting ourselves up for the World Cup? Uh, of course, the, the fans expect all of those things to be achieved. Um, they, they, you know, they want the answers and they want the results and they want impressive results. And I'm not sure that in the World Cup year, it, it, it quite that's quite the reality of it all. Um, so, yeah, I, I, the idea of taking them all, it's a pretty expensive uh, trip, um, but I guess he wants them all together, all working together, um, because it, it, it's, it's a limited time together, uh, and, and they want, you know, rather than having half of the team there, half of them back in New Zealand preparing for the Springboks, um, I, I think they want them all in on, in on, in, 
on it together, so they're all on the same page. Mm. And finally, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the Wallabies team. Uh, Eddie's picked five offshore players. He got dispensation, whatever that means. It was supposed to be three, but he's gone with five. Um, looks, a, looks a reasonable side if he can get them all fit. Yep, and that's one thing. Uh, you, you would never uh, write off Australia's ability to be able to put uh, 15 quality players on the field. Um, he's gone for a few from, from left field as well. Um, it, it's going to, you know, it, it's, always, it's always a fascinating scenario. Uh, the, the question is the overseas players. I mean, I, you know, I can remember um, there are risks involved. I mean, they brought Caretti back into the scene for the sevens and it was just a complete bust. Mm. Um, but to me, the, the Wallabies are always a better team when Karevi's playing. Um, it's just, you know, how quickly they can adjust back. Um, but you know, either or, it's just, you know, Eddie uh, got his way. Um, I think, you know, Australian rugby, the, the, the leadership of Australian rugby are, are taking the attitude of whatever it takes. If you think, think that that's what it will take, then we'll let you do it. Um, but, you know, I, I think they, they look strong. Um, they, they, you know, on paper, um, the reality of it, of course, is you know how do they come together? How do they perform? And you can you know with Eddie Jones that he'll be playing the well. It's not the long game, is it? It's just it's all going to take place this year. But I think he's back for one last shot at it, and he's got his eyes on the biggest prize of the lot, which is later in the year, not now. And finally, does TJ go to Argentina and have a stake with Frankie Davis? Um, I'm I'm calling the test. That's for sure. Yes, but Excellent. I'm not. Um, <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah. Good man. All right, mate. Cheers, TJ. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Right, Tony Johnson there. We will hear him calling the All Blacks Argentinian test. Fantastic. Fantastic. And what's that makeup of that team going to be? I feel like there's going to be a few Blues and Hurricanes and Highlanders. I think that'll make up the bulk. That's just my gut feeling. And then we'll unleash the Chiefs and Crusaders All Blacks at Go Media Stadium, Mount Smart, against the South Africans when they will come to New Zealand. Come on, Sam, join in. That was a little bit Arnold Schwarzenegger towards the end there, when they come to New Zealand. Yeah, well, I can't do the Hugh Bladen like you <coughs> Yeah, do. they're coming to That's Go better. Media, Mount Smart, with Brian Habana in the corner. <laughs> uh, Brian's retired. Yeah, but it's always got to be Havana, doesn't it? it does. I mean, who else there? Jeslin Colby down the sideline. Is he playing at the moment, Colby? Is he Long-term fit? injury. I don't know if he's back yet. He's like a Ryan Pappenhausen. He's, he, he's always he's injured. No, as in like he's always injured. It's, when does he play? He's tiny. He's smaller than Damien yeah. McKenzie. Oh, he is. And that's small. He's a little pocket rocket on the right-hand corner. <laughs>